You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week, Justin Davis, Scoop. Sam Claiborne, Jared Petty. Scoop. We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about Star Wars Battlefront. We're going to talk about ukulele. But first, Electronic Arts. Ooh. Heard of it? Little indie game company. Yep. Little indie game company they that made makes... Madden uh, 88. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. That makes $4.3 billion a year in revenues. Mm-hmm. Uh, they released their financial report for their fiscal year this week and uh, found out a bunch of things about how much money they played and about the games they have coming up. Uh, we found out that now over half of their revenue comes from digital stuff. And I haven't Ooh. played any of it. We but say, Simpsons Tapped Out is making our, so much money. Can we say digital stuff? Are we talking about like mobile service so, digital stuff? Or are we talking about all digital downloads yeah, together? Yeah, that's confusing to me. Everything. So full, full game downloads. Right. PC yeah. games. Uh, or console. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can download uh, whatever what was an EA game yeah. from last year. Dragon yeah. Age Inquisition. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It says less about EA and how, more about how we... Exactly. Playing games now, yeah. right? Consuming. Uh, mobile games, uh, free-to-play stuff, subscriptions like uh, EA Access, that's mm-hmm. what it's called. Uh, but they say the lion's share of their uh, digital revenue comes from extra content, but they don't specify what that is. So I wonder, is that DLC? Is uh, that like microtransactions? Yeah, yeah. Like those yeah. things. Yeah. Buying and little we know coins. that's where money comes from, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah. every company that we know that, like, you know, that is making huge gobs of money right now d- double down on that microtransaction process. Mm. And they look for whales. You know mm-hmm. these industry yeah. terms. Yep. Uh, if you haven't heard of that, a whale is a uh, is a type of person who buys lots of content in a game, like almost to like a pathological level, 
and companies sure. design games around those people. Yeah, like the type of people they would rather. It's easier for them to design a game and find people that are willing to spend you know five hundred dollars on Simpsons yeah. Tapped Out. And mm-hmm. there's very very few of those people, but it's easier to find you know one out of a thousand of them rather than get you know a thousand people to each spend two dollars mm-hmm. on Simpsons Tapped Out. Kind of like Amiibo for us. <laughs> Do you think there's an ethical question here about maybe targeting somebody that might have an addictive personality for these yeah, kinds of games? Yeah, I do think that. But sure. uh, I also think that those people are also targeted with every ad on television ever. Yeah, I mean, I'm of and, two minds. You know, like, it's, people, it's people buy insanely expensive stereo equipment, and, you know, some people just have a lot of money, and they spend a lot of money on, you booze? know, mobile games. <laughs> yeah, really high-end booze. And, Which is uh, actually addictive to but, some people. But I was working on a video for Star Wars Force Collection Presents Contra Minigame the other day, which is a uh, really catchy which is an iPhone game, which is a Konami game, not an EA game. So does that but, spell something? Uh, no, I wish no. There's no acronym that I'm aware of. Uh, uh, like Contra. I might have to go to the, the uh, decipher now to see if there is. But <laughs> I downloaded this the other day and opened it up. And once I've gotten through the tutorial, just booting the game up, the number of things it tries to sell me mm. with bright lights and cool sounds and. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, it reminds me a little more than comfortably uh, of the pachinko parlors when I used to live in Japan. That same light yeah, and sound, sure. sensory feedback when you put the coin in. And I think about the people that I'd so see there are, all day just pumping money machines. in. Those are gambling machines. Yeah. But they require some aspect of skill. Right. So people actually go and practice those and then and, and, on digital versions. Very much like a video game. The Japanese uh, pachinko machines are awesome. Uh, there is well, that. They shoot little steel balls up in the air and... I mean, you know. Are they kind of boring, though, because all they're doing yeah. is just dropping? No, because you do have a can little you, bit of control. Can you nudge? You have some control. Yeah. you, like you have. Ball? If you nudge much, it's it's going to call it. But you, it's it real, they're kind of built it to the wall. So, is uh, there like a Pachinko world champion? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we have now exhausted my knowledge of the <laughs> uh, we, uh, There's two things about EA's digital revenues. The first we already touched on, which is that just digital. Like, I bought Dragon Age Inquisition. I have a digital copy of it, you know, so that goes towards that revenue. When did you finish downloading last week? Yeah, exactly. So, and I think a lot of people are like that. Like, they don't want a bunch of game discs sitting around, so they'll just buy yeah. digitally for the convenience. But EA is also much more so than their competitors, in my opinion. They've really figured out, uh, you know, mobile or digital games in general. Like, they turned Plants vs. Zombies 2 around. That game launched so-so, and they really doubled down on it. Um, Simpsons Tapped Out has been a massive hit for them. They have yeah. a free-to-play. They have SimCity Build It on the App Store and the Sims free-play on the App Store. Like, they're really, really dominant on mobile in a way that... Uh, you know, Ubisoft and Activision, you know, Activision has Hearthstone, um, so they have a massive hit too, but but EA is really, really entrenched in that space in a way that their other sort of big, big uh, competitors haven't quite figured out yet. Mm-hmm. EA saw a 25% increase in its digital business year over year. Yeah. I attribute a lot of that to... Does that uh, mean they're not going to be making uh, uh, awesome video game manuals anymore? Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, that, that stopped years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. For sure. There's like a, a, a monthly service that takes indie games and puts a, a little uh, package with mm. a cardboard it's, it's box. It's like a Loot Crate. A, yeah, it's like Loot Crate, but it just puts it in a cardboard box with a manual and yeah, stuff. Yeah, US Gamer does that. Um, <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> they just do. I mean, it's one of their services. I don't know. This is like a, 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 like a for sale bi-monthly yeah. thing that you subscribe um, to. The other thing is EA Access is actually, they, EA has a habit of sort of launching things that are kind of, eh, are kind of so-so, and then really working on them until like EA Origin was hated for years and years, and now that service is actually not so bad either and gives people access to a lot of free games. Isn't it a distant second to Steam? Sure, no. I mean, it might not even be second. Like, good old games might be second. Mm. I, I still don't think EA Origin is, like, beloved, but, you know, they are giving away free games. Same with EA Access. Like, I think that's a service that they've really doubled down on and really tried to... Uh, you know, improve the quality of it. Looking ahead at EA's short-term future, mm-hmm. what do they have besides Battlefront this fall? 
uh, of course, Titanfall yeah. and uh, and Mirror's Edge. <laughs> that's not even that's beyond uh, Battlefield. Well, we don't know because I think they said it's first quarter of their financial year, which doesn't that run into? Well, we'll get to that. I think that's another segment on the mm-hmm. show, but they also I think their, it runs into like early next year. Yeah, it's probably twenty sixteen. They also have their sports franchises, which are another oh, yeah. important yeah. part of that. Of course, those are yearly, yeah. annualized affairs. Uh, well, speaking of Battlefront. EA expects to sell 10 million copies of that game. As I, we heard that about Tomb Raider. Remember how that turned out? Did they say they expect to sell? 10 it was million? like something where they sold like two or three million, and then they were like, "We're so disappointed." Yeah, we yeah. To sell eight million or something. It was more like five or six million. Although right? they ended up recouping, like that one. That story at least has a happy ending because they released a definitive edition and yeah. ended up, you know, sort of getting where that game needed to get sales-wise. Without like a giant open world and access to mods, I don't see how games sell 10 million copies. Anymore. Now slapping I mean, like, this. Call of Duty does stuff like that, like built-in shooter bases, but man. So this is this is a quote from a, a I think a COO at EA. They say we're thinking about Battlefront sales projections as two bookends. One bookend is the historical Battlefront, which did roughly nine million units. Mm-hmm. The other bookend is our first-person shooter franchise, Battlefield, which typically does around fifteen million units. So, so if Battlefield does fifteen million, I, I, yeah. then that's a, so th- yeah, that's the thing. It's, if it's, it's if it, Star Wars, if it's seen as a competitive shooter that people can like get into and like that attracts people, but I wonder if like our military shooters more popular than Star Wars shooters. Like that's a really yeah, weird matchup to think about. This is the year. That's what totally, totally, yeah, for Star totally Wars. Ten million sounds insane. Saying until you realize, like, try to put yourself in the mindset of what this December is going to look like, yeah. and Star Wars exactly. is going to take over the entire friggin' planet. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And For so, sure. you know, in the face of that, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know whether 10 million is achievable or not, but there's no denying that this game, you know, despite sort of the mixed reception, you know, people are sort of rebelling against some of the news they're hearing about this mm-hmm. game. There's, it's yeah. still going to be a massive hit. Um, it better look like this. It's not, gonna look, it's not going to look quite it like this. It needs to look so pretty and cool and Star Wars-y, and that's what yeah. th- these mock-ups look like, and yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. I like how we recorded the game scoop about Battlefront two weeks ago, and Sam, you were saying, man, I'm so excited for them to talk about the campaign, yeah. and like, yeah. while we were Oops. in the game scoop, like, right then they announced, well, there's no campaign. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that you know they people are already telling me like yeah there was never good single player or never single player in Battlefront but I I really I played this PSP one a lot I remember playing it alone and they had like nice little kind of setups of scenarios sure. that you'd yeah. like battle through and like one would be like you know you'd have to fly between these two things and you'd get out of your ship and then you'd yeah. fight in there and get back in your ship and fly around it was like this big playground battlefield thing I really like that about it but uh, and we'll do our due diligence I think a lot of stuff like that. We'll do our due diligence with with critical on it. I mean, we're going to give it a, a good review and look at it thoroughly. Let you know whether what it's a good, good game review. Or, like I mean, a well constructed <laughs> review. Yeah, um, I mean, I think a lot Lord, of people. I hope are... That was a misquote. But my my point <laughs> being, we will look at it diligently. It's already said. They're going to give Battlefront a good review. We're going to give Battlefront a good review. We're going to give Battlefront a good review. We're going to look carefully at it. But that said, as careful as we are with it, I think a lot of people are going to look at this and on opening day they're going to see video of Darth Vader chopping up Ewoks and they're going to buy it regardless. Yeah, I mean, there's that's a that's a part of this. There's a lot of really legitimate fan concerns where this is how many maps the old game had, the new game has fewer. This is how many you know uh, characters could be in multiplayer and this game now has a lower character cap. And on and on and on those comparisons can be made, which are completely valid. Like, yep. I understand all those concerns, but I kind of don't care. Like, I kind of just want to see how the game plays. Because like, EA makes all their money off of digital things and <laughs> you will be downloading the, the expansions anyway. That's true. They'll, they'll nickel and dime you for character classes and stuff. But, I mean, my the point that I'm making is... I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't use that term. 
Well, uh, maybe. I, yeah, I maybe. think that's fair. And, and I think, uh, but they're doing what, one that we know, right? Is that they're doing the the tie-in to the Force Awakens, the Battle of Jakku, yeah, which is going to be free DLC, I believe. Yeah. That's that's been announced. It's already. really, uh, it's just, it's really easy to compare things by the numbers like that. Like this game had 15 maps, and this one has 11, and so I understand so, why people so do this that. This better, yeah. But like. It doesn't. It's much much harder to compare the intangibles about how a game feels and yeah. how good it is and how thoughtful its systems are and uh, you know those elements that keep you coming back round after round. Like I played probably more uh, like Halo Three multiplayer than any yeah. game ever, but like I don't know how many maps it had. Yeah. Like that's just not a priority for me. But what may, one thing that does make it difficult here is that Battlefront Two was a really solidly constructed game. It was so huge e- too. E- yeah. So even that kind of qualitative comparison, they're already looking at a very strong standard. And I think that's some why people are focusing on these other features. Also, I think yeah. a lot of people are going to miss space combat. Uh, that was a really big uh, yeah, deal in Battlefront Two, and, and have that gone. Uh, and there we're talking about not just a number of levels, but a, a, a gameplay mode that was a big part of the experience. Yeah. And, and I, I just miss time. Star Wars space combat in general. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. just so dying for the, the current-gen systems and PCs right now can do a Star Wars flight sim game in such an amazing manner. Oculus. Someone call up the uh, Star Citizen guys. Just get them on it. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah, just, and just put some TIE Fighters in Star Citizen. It's fine. I'm good oh, with that. that's such a good idea. I want that. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> write that one down. Right now. Write it down. Uh, another hurdle it has to reach that uh, 10 million benchmark is that there's no last-gen version. So just PS4, Xbox One, and PC. We're getting to yeah. the point where those are mattering less and less. It sure. always feels that way. It's funny mm-hmm. when you're seeing those last couple PS2 games come in. It's crazy. Yeah, but you no, can no, look I'm at the saying, like last oh, time. Right. Sure. You can look at the install bases, the and I could I could see why you might be tempted to port it down. You know? mm-hmm. No kidding. Uh, I I have more casual gamer friends who had a 360, and they're just not interested in upgrading. But mm-hmm. you know. If a new game like this came out to 360, I think... They and might you gotta remember, like, Dragon Age came out on last-gen systems. Uh, yeah. Shadow, Shadow of Mordor, Mordor did, yep. too. Yeah. And, like, it's just, it's it, yeah, they're, they're still being served. As but, well. again, on the other hand, with Christmas coming up, this huge movie coming, and maybe they're sitting there banking on the fact that people are going to go out and buy a console to play this big, beautiful Star Wars game. Yeah, I think this year is the year that those last-gen... I don't think the expectation is there for there to be a last-gen version anymore. Like, with Dragon Age, I think enough people had not upgraded, like, last fall, 12 months ago, where it was like, yeah... You know, I think if you had a PS3 or Xbox 360, I would still expect to get, you know, a lot of the big sort of AAA games. Um, but now, I don't know, like another year's gone by. I think, it, so I think it makes sense. I'm banking on the same thing EA is because I bought a Star Wars pinball machine last night. I'm going to be operating at the mm. local pinball Which arcade. One? It's the Data East one from 92. Right? Oh! And uh, I'm restoring it right now. It's going to go on. But I'm thinking, like, hey, my pitch, you know, is like this fall, if we yeah. operate this here... It's gonna make so many quarters because everybody cares about Star Wars, <laughs> and the art is really pretty in this one. It's like it's a classic Star Wars feel, you know. Right. But uh, I know this fall is gonna be Star Wars fall, and I think I think it's gonna yeah. work out. For sure. Are you gonna move your Empire Strikes Back out of your apartment and put it out for people to play? No, never. Yeah, never. He's saying it on an arcade machine, which is yeah. like a lot more sensitive—a vector graphics arcade machine. Yeah. Yeah. Pinball can get knocked around; it'll be fine. Analysts note that this management team, the management team at EA, has earned a reputation for underpromising and overdelivering over the last two years. They feel pretty confident that Battlefield could reach 10 million. I'm sorry, Battlefront. That's, that's nice of their bosses to say that about them. <laughs> that's really nice. Uh, looking past Battlefront, which comes out this November, there's Titanfall 2, which we now we have a release year, a release fiscal year, mm-hmm. sometime between April 2016 and 17. Okay, okay. so that's, that's their fiscal year. Okay. So, so, at, so it will launch in the spring before. 
Yeah, it's still launched in March, I believe. Yeah, so that'd be an interesting way to annualize it. So that, that would be, if we were to wait that long, that would be March of 2017, mm-hmm. if we had to wait that long. It's a long they, time. Unless they wanted to try and make it a big holiday release for 2016. Yeah. Seems like those are the two likely Titanfall options. benefited from being you know, a console-exclusive near a console launch window so much, I think. It was a neat game, but like uh, they're going to have to do so much more to get Titanfall 2 to... To be some big hit that can go up against a yeah. fall lineup. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I don't presume to know yeah. game release windows, but I love having a game like that come out in the spring. I just like as a fan, I would love to have more games just like hit you know in this time. I I, I, I speculate maybe they're sitting there looking at. We hope we hit that winter, and if not, we've got that spring to push it to. That may be the idea. Well, you know, it's, I, yeah, with that. yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Titanfall is an example of one of these games that. Uh, uh, you know, I was saying, in for Battlefield, uh, whether it has less content, as long as it's really rock solid, you know, that's just fine. Excuse me, yes, Battlefront. <laughs> Very easy to do that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, Titanfall is an example of taking that to the extreme, where the actual gameplay, the moment-to-moment gameplay was almost perfect. Like, it was incredible. It felt so good, but it also felt like half a game. Like, mm-hmm. they cut too much, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it is about finding that balance between, um, you know, I don't know whether they need to do a full-on, you know, single-player campaign, um, I don't like that might be kind of overkill, but they have to offer more modes and options, and and uh, there has to be more gameplay, more game to sort of chew on there than there was in Titanfall One. Well, depending on their technical aspirations, that might not be as daunting as it sounds, because you know this will be one of the first, if not the first, game in the next generation to be a next gen sequel, a sequel to a, a current gen game coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to have something to build on, which they didn't have before. Yeah. They were inventing it all as they went along. Now they've got a foundation, a technological and design foundation to, to build on top of, and that may expedite creating a, a more complete experience this time around. They don't have to worry about a generational jump this time. Titanfall is another example of an EA product that they really, you know, didn't give up on it. Like, that game, the player base was remarkably low. Like, not yeah. that long after launch, there were the lobby were very small with not a lot of players but you know they kept releasing events kept releasing DLCs new modes of play new more like they really they really hit it over and over and over again with a regular cadence of new content in a way that I guess I don't know what other people's expectations were but it exceeded my expectations yeah and Titanfall 2 is multi-platform yeah that's That's a huge deal sure I'm seeing a pattern emerge though that so there was such hype for Titanfall and then people were kind of underwhelmed and like right at launch a lot of people were playing and then it was done you're over it and the same thing kind of happened with Evolve. So I wonder if this, it's just a problem of these games that don't have any single-player component. We're going to see... I hope so, because I really want it to be, like... I want people to realize how important single-player campaigns are. I mean, just starting with a game like Halo or, or you know, Half-Life, anything that, yeah. that ended up becoming packaged with multiplayer-type stuff, like, the single-player campaigns are, like, really bridges this huge amount of time you don't want to spend with your friends and pra- playing and practicing this game. I yeah. think it's really, really important. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. How Titan Titanfall would be so cool. Like you can make these giant, big, you know, war zone levels, and you get in a freaking mech and run around and do stuff, and then you get out and do stealth missions or something. It'd be so, really, really cool. I would be down. Uh, then there's Mirror's Edge, which I guess is not a Mirror's Edge two, just another Mirror's Edge. Is that how we understand it? It's just called because so far it just has a working title, Mirror's yeah. Edge. They're just gonna call it another Mirror's Edge. Uh, that one is Q1 of 2016. So early 2016. That was announced two E3s ago. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I was just reading the article of the announcement. And, of course, this teaser that we're watching right now from it. But, um, yeah, I, I really like Mirror's Edge. I think it's super cool. I, I, I kind of like see that as a standalone game that works really well. But, uh, you know, I'll play, play more levels of it. It's not like a yeah. game that I ever thought would get a sequel. Yeah. I don't understand how it's happening. But, I'm, hey, 
Good, well, good for I, the studio. Mirasich is a game that could benefit from increased visual fidelity. I mean, a lot of the appeal was that acrobatic element to it. But if you're doing that in more beautiful places, maybe that's what they're going so for. So well, I don't think know. They I, did I, 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 strip down the yeah, beauty. Yeah, I was going to say. It make was, it like re- black and white. It right? was really minimalist with just the white walls and white city and then that sort of red line for you to follow. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know that the visuals will, but I, I don't know that I agree. Well, maybe, maybe to your point, maybe uh, characters on screen, you could add more like weird, like uh, huge amounts of AI or something. But then also like kind of just... Motion mm-hmm. and just smoothness are really like integral yeah. for that game, and you know I bet lock it gonna, in at sixty fps. Yeah. yeah, and I bet they're gonna go with Oculus on this, and it's gonna be dizzying and weird and strange. Not Oculus necessarily, but but VR. I bet yeah, there'll be a VR, maybe a Morpheus, well, mm-hmm. because this is the game that has that kind of. Um, if you play VR games, one of the mo- the coolest things, like when you play Hawken in VR. That that mech game that, that people don't play much anymore, but you, you you can like zoom up in the air, turn off your thrusters, look down, and just drop, mm-hmm. and it has a really really uh, powerful stomach feeling turning effect uh, just from visuals, and I yeah. love that about you know VR stuff. And man, Mirror's Edge would be great like that. Although you spin a lot. In the game well, now stuff. we know the Oculus is also coming out in early 2016, Crazy. right around the same time as Mirror's Edge. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Mirror's Edge is, I completely agree with Sam. I'm glad it's happening. I liked the original Mirror's Edge a lot. It's surprising, you know, out of every game for EA to sort of give a big budget sequel, it's just a strange one to pick. As much as I like the game uh, critically, I don't think it was a huge commercial success. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're making half their money on small transactions and DLC yeah. and stuff like that. Like, that's really interesting. I'm just, I'm also thankful that they're making like a single player, like giant. Yeah. Game, I, whatever it is. Yeah. So, like, I just, you know, no. obviously with games like Ukulele coming out, I'm just, like, super excited that these things can still exist in a world where, like, you'd think they'd just be grabbing at, at, at microtransactions and stuff as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, kudos to them. Uh, we've, we've talked about this, but it is nice to, you know, we talk constantly about how we just keep seeing the same iterations of the same ideas. Here we go. We got something that we wanted, something that wasn't necessarily a commercial success, but that obviously somebody believes it. It is a sequel, but it's a sequel to a game not many people experienced, and that makes me happy. So no, I I do still. I think this counts as original. If we're if we're going to stand on you know relativity here, I I think this is a very original idea. Still, we also learned this week that uh, another Plants vs Zombies is coming to consoles early next year. I missed that news. What did they announce? It was just a logo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. On their release schedule. But it doesn't it say if it's Plants vs. Zombies or Garden Warfare. Or oh, no, no. I, is that true? Because I did remember seeing a new Garden Warfare. It's just on their release schedule, it just says Plants vs. Zombies oh, for consoles. Oh, interesting. And I don't know if it's Plants vs. Zombies 2. Mm-hmm. That hasn't come to consoles yet. It's just on mobile, so. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I was just playing that game last night. PVZ 2? Yeah. On iPad? Yeah. So you think they solved a lot of the problems? Because I, I was thinking about how it's just it's such a shame that they kind of ruined uh, I didn't get deep enough into it to uh, to really gauge. I just remember hearing, you know, that that game launched with a bunch of free-to-play sort of baloney in it, and then yeah. I think the EA dialed some of that uh, back because they sort of realized that they would rather have people playing this game for years and be happy with it and earn money that way rather than try to gouge people. But mm-hmm. um, I just got through sort of the tutorial. Mm. Was it better than Peggle 2? I thought Peggle 2 was good. Yeah, yeah Popcap fell off a little bit, didn't they? Wait, everyone left, I think. Yeah, a lot of the original team. Anyway, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. (laughs) Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Michael did. I always, I just always assume you're going to say Big Tony style. (laughs) (laughs) Not this week. Uh, Michael says, 
It is a wonderful morning for us all indeed. In less than 40 minutes, ukulele reached its 170,000 pound goal, and in less than 24 hours, it has hit every stretch goal with over a million pounds. It's at a point where the company is pulling out slightly random goals to motivate people to keep donating. I have a mm -hmm. question though. In fact, it's the title of this email. Does the Kickstarter project actually represent the demand for that game? I say that because if you look at the backer statistics for ukulele, you'll see there are a couple thousand that pledged in the hundreds of dollars, and about a hundred who pledged thousands of dollars. And also there are a lot of people that see the backer bonuses like that. Like, if you donate 15, you'll get the game on Steam for free. Anyway, that's a confusing sentence. Ignore that one. Just curious, does Kickstarter success show a game would have been successful if a publisher had released the game? Mm. That's his question. That's difficult to say. Uh, I do think that the, the number of people that went for this, even at about 40,000, which was the, the figure I saw, I think, a few days ago when we were talking about on Beyond, that's still a very small number of people for, for a video game. Although mm. companies like Atlas... To purchase a video game. Yeah, to purchase video game. But Look, not for funding a Kickstarter. So yeah. if there's a relative comparison to be made, it went so fast, we know all it went fast, mm -hmm. and that it, it went really much higher than their stretch goals. Like, that's totally... That's an apples-to-apples -apples comparison with with another game getting funding on Kickstarter. We're Absolutely. starting to see more and more. There have been some high-profile Kickstarter failures, you know, mm -hmm. games that just you know took the money and run or weren't able to develop a game. But we're seeing yeah, more like and more games. Yeah, the Silicon Knights one. Yeah, well, I, I meant games that got funded and then yeah. never released. Oh, right. but, but that's not the point. The point is we're seeing games that raised a huge amount of money and then launched successfully, like Pillars mm -hmm. of Eternity and Shovel Knight. And Broken, Broken Age. Age. And so we have this like body of data to draw on now that there were a lot of question marks before. And one mm -hmm. of the things we didn't know was, you know, 70,000 people funded Pillars of Eternity. So when that game launched, are they going to sell one copy of it? Like, does anybody care? Like, yeah. didn't those 70,000 people that still like hardcore computer RPGs, you know, fund it? And the answer turned out to totally be yes. Mm -hmm. Like, they sold a huge number of copies mm -hmm. and were a top seller on Steam for weeks. And uh, Broken Age also was a success. And Shovel Knight was an overwhelming success. Yeah. Um, and FTL is another example of a game that was like that. So right. uh, I think ukulele, I don't think that, I think that the number of people that fund it on Kickstarter is proportional to the number of people that will end up buying the final game. Yeah, you numbers know, they're looking that way. Yeah. Numbers like the people who fund it on a Kickstarter, numbers close to that can make like an NAS or an Atlas game a success right mm -hmm. there. So, I mean, that's another thing. Team size and your, your initial budget matter a lot, too, and they had that factored in. But I absolutely agree with you. I think this is going to sell really, really well once it's available. Because once you see, you know, yeah. these are the people. I mean, if it's good. Uh, assuming, uh, no, assuming I don't think they're Petty, Well, the big yeah. caveat here is that all these games I mentioned just turned out to be great. Yeah, you know, so that's assuming that ukulele delivers on its promise. It yeah, is a so well-made video that, game that and gets brings good up reviews. A, a more interesting question too is like, are these games becoming great because they have so much fan participation, enthusiasm, and and somebody just kind of overseeing the production that's like that really cares about the game and not about you know. I mean, ruining actually, it to make a multiplayer mode or, or, or take out the fun. Well, ukulele does have multiplayer. They well, have no, their stretch goal, but no, I know what you mean. Yeah, as an example. Of like as a, they, the, our market goal. research shows, we have to yeah, add multiplayer exactly. to our game. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I don't know. I think it can almost be kind of the opposite, where Kickstarters can sometimes be almost catastrophically successful. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Tim Schafer and and company and Double Fine caught a lot of flag for for Broken Age costing you know twice as much money and taking more than two times as long as they said it was going to take. But when their funding goal is four hundred thousand dollars, they're like, "Look, we're going to make a little tiny point-and-click adventure <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah. It's going to have some funny jokes and this sort of pixel art style, and it's going to be really cool. You guys will like it." But then they raised so much money that they felt like, "Well, okay, now we need to make a real game." And mm -hmm. like, all the money in the world can't let you make a project that's that much bigger. You still have to have all your phases of production, and yep. it just stretched out the amount of time it took them. So, 
Sometimes I think they have to scramble to uh, deliver on the stretch goals they promise, and uh, it might be better if they didn't you know, make 10 times more money than they were asking for in some instances. So for ukulele, I have two other ways to gauge the success of that game. One is uh, buzz in the office, and by that I mean Marty uh, flipped out. <laughs> so did I. And other people. I know you guys are excited too. Yeah. Um, I, I just I bring this up all the time. I think a 3D platformer is exactly what we all want and need, and I think you did a game scoop topic on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Exploration for, for people that just haven't played one a long time. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, but then the other thing is IGN traffic, and like honestly, like ukulele is like one of our most popular stories. Yep. So mm-hmm. people really care about this game. So fear not, Michael. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are still legitimate criticisms of Kickstarter. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to take anything away from those, but I'm a big believer in Kickstarter, and I think some of those criticisms or some of those concerns are starting to fade as time passes, where mm-hmm. one of the big concerns was that uh, these independent publishers would have to live Kickstarter to Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got $4 million to make Pillars of Eternity, but then uh, the game launched and no one outside of Kickstarter bought it. So now we need to launch another Kickstarter mm-hmm. to earn enough bread to put on our tables to make Pillars of Eternity 2. But um, you know, if you deliver on your promise and deliver a high-quality product, it turns out that that's not the case. It's a case of these developers can kind of have their cake and eat it too. You know, have the fans fund their game and then you know, go on to sell a bunch of copies on top of that when it releases. There's a couple things about ukulele that surprise me. First is how... Similar, I mean, I know that they're <laughs> making... Title yeah. screen? Yeah. <laughs> it's so Banjo-Kazooie. It, uh, it just almost seems like I'm surprised they can get away with it. Mm-hmm. with making. They made Banjo, they're the artists. I know, but like, yeah, but they don't own the license anymore. And like, mm-hmm. It's their game. I, well, I, it's I just, think they, I, I think it's they cool. have the right side of that argument. That I'm just yeah. surprised. Yeah. Well, that, but like, not the legal, <laughs> legally no, right but side. If, if no George, lawyers come in saying, oh, all right, let's shut this down. made Empire Strikes Back with somebody other than 20th Century Fox, he would have every right to do that. Yeah, but George Lucas can't go make Star Wars now. He can't make he can't make Star Battle. People do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean it is it's the minds of creative people making a creative thing that they completely owned in their brains at one point and not and not it wasn't owned by a, a corporation. I actually I, I it's very very close. The music especially. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, like, oh yeah, that's, it's I mean, really it's funny. Just, yeah, it's dead on. We'll just call it evocative. Yeah. About that. What's the it happens all the time like Wasteland like Fallout? Oh yeah, right? Wasteland and Fallout, sure. But that in that situation that those two actually share a kind of a genetic lineage uh, that same way. But yeah, Wasteland well, 2 well, was able to I come mean, out and the do the same thing exactly. Um, Wasteland 2 comes along and really is kind of Fallout 2.5. Uh, and that, that's what they were going for, to create a sequel to Fallout 2 uh, really, rather than a sequel to Wasteland. It's actually so, yeah, very different than Wasteland. That's true. That? Wasteland 2 is very different than Wasteland. Yeah, it's more totally like is. Fallout. Mm-hmm. Totally. The other thing that surprised me is that Nintendo didn't want to, you know, pick this game up. Mm-hmm. That just well, seems like the perfect fit for Wii U. It can come uh, out on a Wii U. win for them. Yeah, but like Nintendo could have published it themselves. And there and, is some yep. talk of making a tier of their Kickstarter um, an amiibo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty good. Because now they're just. I think they're trying to think of other Kickstarter. Yeah. Tiers, Do they even have any say in that? Like, how can they? We're well, making an amiibo. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> pick up the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's totally what it, well, exactly what would happen, I would imagine. It, it is exciting to see the, uh, a 3D exploratory platformer come out. This is kind of like what would happen a decade ago with 2D platformers when they'd all but vanished. And then suddenly uh, people that grew up on them got old enough to get credit cards. Yeah, and it's not a coincidence. The, yeah, like was, If you were 10 oh, years old timed. when you were playing Super Mario 64 and Banjo-Kazooie, you're old enough to be making video games now. Absolutely. Yep. And I, I love seeing that happen. That's, I really do. I think it's good, for, it's good for the industry. It's good for the hobby. 
That's why I think there's so much pixel art in games now. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. developers but, that grew up. But now it's gonna be that's gonna be yeah. phased out for a chunky PS1 style podcast. I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Big mittens. That yeah, will be big awesome. mitten hands. <laughs> Terrible texture caches. Yeah, uh, no. it's just gonna be. So what's gonna be fog? Like, Remember fog? Yeah. yeah. How about garage shading? That's actually pretty good. I'm what's good with that? Garage shading, like what like they did with uh, Super Mario 64, the way that they shade the pixels instead of texturing them. Mm. Uh, fog is cooler. Fog. Is, uh, what are what's what's happening right now that people are going to be nostalgic for? Uh, microtransactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Angry Birds yeah. in like twenty years. All these physics games are going to come back. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see the story today about how they settled on the name ukulele? It no. was so good. Uh, so obviously, you know, it's ukulele is an instrument that yeah. the that sort of banjo because we style. I have one right here, David. Yeah, uh, but also in Hawaiian, they said someone picked up a Hawaiian dictionary, and apparently, yuku means a small-brained person, yeah. and lele means to fly or excitingly to get off of a vehicle. It's perfect. So the two of them, yeah. Wow. We should have yeah. fact-checked that because I bet yeah. they just made it up. Well. Probably I'm going to go to Hawaii in July. I'll find out. Okay. Yeah, just ask a Hawaiian. <laughs> yep. No. Wiki comes from Hawaiian, too. I didn't know that. I knew Yeah. That. And if you go to Hawaii, there's a, a, like, well, at least on the Big Island, there's a mart called Wiki Wiki Mart. Yeah, it's that's like a 7-Eleven. I think it means fast. I don't know what it means. Sorry. All right. Now is the time on GameScoop when we play 20 questions. Oh, God. Yay! This week, we only have one. I only have one game. Uh, we found when, I, when we had three games, for e- one for each of you, it could run a little long, so we'll try to condense it, and you, you're all going to cooperate. This is a cooperative game. Oh, man. Are we going to take turns? We've got just... co-op mode. We're like a hydra of quiz solving. Yeah, no, you can all just, you can, you can agree, okay. work together. Okay. Cerberus. So, okay, a Cerberus. Very good. Yeah, three-headed. Better. So Cerberus. I have the game in my mind. I gotta think of a three-headed monster now. Yeah. You named Hydra and Cerberus already. I don't know what that is. Hydra. Yeah, that's Godzilla's arch nemesis. King Hydra. Yeah, yeah. King Hydra. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, Justin. All right, Excellent. whenever you're ready, you may begin asking. Did, all, right. all right, I'm gonna. Did this game come out uh, before the year 2000, originally? No. Why does my water smell funny? <laughs> no, no, that's not <laughs> water. That's not a question. I don't know the premise of this game. We're playing, we're playing 20 I'm questions. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how, 20 questions? I know 20 questions. Yeah. yeah. You have 20 yes or no questions to guess the game I'm thinking of. Oh, it's just a game? Yeah. It okay. came, and we already asked one. We're playing as a team. It came out after 2000, we established. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. Did it, do we, should we narrow it down to platform? Yeah. Uh, was it on, uh, was it on uh, PC? Yes. Wait, was it, let me... <laughs> See, because you haven't been here before for Damon's <laughs> yeah. tricksiness. Yeah, that's true. Like, now, just ask him if it happened in America and watch what happens. Now so we don't know oh, if it was like a PC was exclusive or okay. multi-platform. Okay, so is it a multi-platform game? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a multi-platform game. Mm. I want to ask the America question, but uh, no. Let's see. Uh, is this game uh, rendered in 3D? No. Okay. Is there a female lead? No. That you can play Wait, hold on. Let's, let's, let's slow up. Slow okay. up. Right. We gotta let's get condensed. So, two D game. Yep. Shovel Knight. Two D game. Multi platform two D game. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we narrow down the year even farther? Because we got two thousand yeah, to two thousand fifteen right now. Oh, interesting. Did it mm-hmm. come out uh, after two thousand ten? Yes. Ooh, yeah. so it is. You uh, might it might be I, Shovel Knight. It might be. More, more. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, does it have a, a, an you know an old school aesthetic art style? Yes. Hey. Uh, is it Shovel Knight? Yes. Ah! <laughs> See, I've had it several questions ago already. Yeah. There we are. Yeah, let's get right, it. Yeah. Now it goes by really fast. Victory uh, to the people. Uh, Shovel Knight could be a lady, so I think you cheated. Uh, well, I wasn't trying to. I don't cheat. actually. <laughs> know. Well, uh, maybe Shovel Knight could be. I a lady. always interpreted him as male, but 
Yeah, there's no sound, so it's yeah. hard to hear the voice. Doesn't he have horns? Yeah, so that, that doesn't mean... Well, like yeah, a male a cow. Total, yeah, it's a total male It could just male be his, his helmet, though. He could he be a cow, is what Justin's saying. <laughs> but don't Texas Longhorn females bull, also have, say. have horns? No one knows. Okay. No way to find out. Yeah. No one knows. Yeah. <laughs> one day there's going to be like this interconnected series of computers that we can just use to yeah. find this kind of information. Sounds like science fiction. No, and, and then you can put it on your watch and everybody will flip out. That's more science fiction than science fact. Okay. <laughs> uh, our last uh, email this week comes from First Last. It says, hey Damon, love you and your show. I'm First Last, I'm a taken man. Sorry. Says, down to business, can you tell me what the bleep Amy Hennig is doing on the Battlefront team if there is no single-player campaign? I mean, she is known for her rich storytelling in the Uncharted series, so WTF is she doing? Whoa. Keep up the wow. good work. Shout out to the other panelists. Uh, yeah, the answer is she's not working on Battlefront. She's working on another Star Wars game. That is actually going to have which is, a story. Which is canon, right? Uh, it has to be canon. Probably will be canon. I mean, I'm I mean, hoping... Probably. Well, because be I'm hoping... Okay, so everything's supposed to be canon, but again, Star Wars Force Collection uh, colon Contra minigame just came out, and if that's canon, then Chewbacca ran through the woods on Endor without Ewok help and, like, ninja flipped. You, but know? you have there, to remember, it's only story elements that matter, because yeah. Battle, Battlefront, we reported on, yeah. was not... was. It technically has canon looks and characters and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. you can also win, the, the Empire can win the Hoth battle. Yeah. So it's just, the scenario, if there was a story to it, though, in a big single-player mode, where you played as, you know, the uh, Empire someone like does well, the there, there will be There will be a canonical story element to anything she writes, something that LucasArts signs, or LucasFilm signs off on, certainly, but it's going to be like, you know, a lot of these end up like KOTOR, where, you know, you can be, you know, good Revan or bad Revan. I mean, you know, so... Only one of those things actually happens in the official Star Wars continuity. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be very similar to that. I think. Uh, I mean, I'm glad that they reset the Star Wars Star Wars canon, and it was yeah. annoying to have levels of canon where yes. you know the films followed by the comics followed by you know this other stuff, uh, and if anything contradicted something else, it superseded it, and that was canon, and yep. that's the worst. Like it's better to just have one canon, but. The flip side is now it makes it really, really hard to do things like make video. Like Amy Hennig is trying to tell this video game story and is maybe getting overruled by Lucasfilm and this whole team of story people. And it's like plus there's I, a kids show that's yeah there's a kids show that's trying to tell their own story. So it's like I I don't know. I'm and I know kind that of a, show's cool. I'm not saying that show's not yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just, just mean it's skewed for a younger audience and, yeah. and there's no blood or anything. A it makes it hard for you to tell stories out of canon. Mm-hmm. Um, but B it just seems like. Like I just the position that she in must be really really challenging now. Yeah. Well, the more I read about Joss Whedon's experience making Ultron, it just sounds like yeah that whole experience just totally broke him. Like mm-hmm. he's he's trying to appease so many different people and so mm-hmm. many different audiences. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. When you're what I'm trying to say is when you it probably sounds like an awesome opportunity to be asked to write a Star Wars story for something, mm-hmm. but it's probably a huge headache. But now that and it also cuts you off very quickly, like it's all wide open right now. But thanks to the comic books and things, like we know what Luke Skywalker was doing during you know the period immediately yep. following Return of the Jedi. No one else can tell that story anymore mm-hmm. because Absolutely. it's already been told. Like they can continue filling in the gaps, but by the like it seems like it'll eventually get to the point where like this week he was on an adventure in this planet, then uh, the next week he was on an adventure in this planet. There, yeah. I'm reading the new Darth Sidious Darth Vader buddy cop novel. I mean that, that's really right. a thing that happens. And and now this this period of time between uh, between the third movie and the fourth, there's a story that takes place and everything that happened to that mm-hmm. that's part of it. And everybody else is stuck with that forever. 
that's that's an odd spot to be in. Yeah. And I wonder if they'll eventually be like, ah, oh, we'll flick a switch, you know. But but right now, yeah. they know that all eyes. Because there's on. always like the Marvel What If series, just so funny. Yeah, and cool. Like, I do. You I really mean, need to see Star Wars yeah. What Ifs, but no. I guess I I, I want to walk back my complaints a little bit because I still think this system is better than the old system. Oh, yeah. But like the longer we live with it and live in it, it's sort of like some cracks are starting to appear. Where it's like, well, now I'm not so sure about specific elements of this. There is also the part where we're all talking about, you know, fake canon versus fake apocrypha, too. Ultimately, oh. we're just getting good stories. Um, and we can remember that, too. As much as it irritates us to see mythology we care about fragmented, it is still just mythology from something that brings us joy most and of the Star time. Star Wars is serious business. Okay, that's yeah. heresy, first of yeah. all. People want to know what happened. What's the true story of Luke Skywalker? Yeah. What did George Lucas actually mean when uh, when Leia and Luke kissed? Oh, what did he mean? Um Brother on sister love. Lannister, right there. Oof. Lannister. Yeah, did he plan it out? Yeah, I'm not actually convinced that he had at that point. Uh, did you see the, the Force Awakens toys are out September 4th? Very exciting. And no pictures of any of them, though? Very not, Yeah, but I'm just like, that's like months before who, the movie. Star Wars is happening. Star I, Wars it, is it, happening. It seems too early to me. Like, I don't yeah. want anything from the movie spoiled. Yeah. No. Well, the Lego, the Hobbit, like, stuff shipped before Lego, the Hobbit. There's, totally gonna, there's totally gonna be some weird trash man toy and then everyone's gonna, like, speculate on what yeah, that who's, means. Who's trash who's man? Trash man? I was just he, sitting at my desk writing wikis about he, these things. Who owns just, Kenner just, now? Uh, I don't know. I, do it, know. I think it's just Hasbro. But um, whatever the case, like, I wonder if they're gonna go for, like, a really classic feeling toy yeah. line yeah. to... To appeal to us, yeah. No. Or are they, or, or are they gonna go to for like in, everything looks like Clone Wars stuff and yeah. look like there's some supercomputer telling them exactly how much money they'll make off of each of these SKUs and they'll pick the top 100 and produce them. I imagine. So the answer is probably all of the above as long as they can sell it. I mean, I remember the saturation that took place around Phantom Menace back before we all knew it was bad. And think about yeah. just how there was definitely a window before. It really sunk in. <laughs> yeah, and before we knew, there was so much Star Wars stuff to buy, and yeah. we were buying it all. Yeah, had, like Star Wars, Coca Cola. Yeah, yeah. Is it Coca Cola? There I was don't a remember. series, but one of the other. I think you're right. I think it was Pepsi. And then Taco yeah. Bell had four posters you could collect, and mm -hmm. they all made one big panorama. Uh, yeah, I was, was buying those. It. The good days before Drinking the, the movie <laughs> before the dark times. Yeah, yeah. before the Jar Jar. Uh, Alright, that's all the scoops we're at for you this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Jared. My name is Damon, and this is IGN Gamescoop. We're out.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.